0: Hey guys, uh, it's Paul. Uh, Jason wanted to be here, but he wasn't available. So I'm doing this one solo. Um, this is just kind of a little impromptu message to address the loss of John Hurt. Um, happened this weekend. Um, I know I didn't expect it. Yeah, it's kind of a blow. You know, We, we lost our war doctor, uh, great, great actor. And from every indication I've ever seen a very kind man um and uh yeah it's just last week we were posting a celebratory message wishing John a happy birthday and now we're addressing John's death uh he died at the age of 77 um I know uh, with some of the other losses that we've had in uh 2016 this one just kind of feels like a continuation of that and and uh it's really kind of a blow um yeah, I just uh, I wanted to kind of acknowledge the fact that, that John will be missed. Um, he most definitely, definitely was uh, someone that contributed to our childhoods uh, and adulthoods alike. Um, and uh, I've just got something here that uh, I wrote uh, really quickly that I uh, just wanted to read just to kind of give him a a send-off. We love you, John. From Doctor Who to Harry Potter to Alien to Indiana Jones and all the way back to the Elephant Man, you have helped to broaden our imaginations from our childhoods to our adulthoods and beyond. You were a legend in your time and through the time capsules of your work and our hearts and memories, you have truly transcended time and space. You will be missed. May you rest in peace. free stands.
1: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Everybody and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 61 The Claws of Axos. Axos. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. I appear to be a bit of an intergalactic yo yo. Galactic yo galactic yo?
0: Yes. Up and <laughs> <up, not laughs> down, back and forth you know, I'm not the one that plays with the slinkies, so, you know. Mm, well, I do. I've got a slinky.
1: And Silly Putty.
0: Nice. Yes, it keeps my hands busy. Nice. <laughs> anyway. Oh. How's it going, Paul? I, I think I'm starting to get jealous over your uh, toys of my childhood. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. well, we're back. Discussing the Master. We took a couple of episodes off from Discussing the Master uh, with, of course, the the new episode of Doctor Who, uh, the Christmas special, uh, Return of Doctor Mysterio, or as we like to dub it, the Return of Doctor Who. Um, (laughs) Our most recent episode was our uh, crossover episode with the Examining the Doctor podcast over on uh, Geekville Network, where we discussed the more technical aspects of the Power of the Daleks' uh, official reconstruction, so... And yes, we got a bit nitpicky in that, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) We're geeks. Um, (laughs) And today we're going to talk about a case of hot sauce. What? A case of hot sauce. A case. Yes. Yes. A case of hot sauce. Yes. Isn't that the name of the episode? The Claws of Axe Sauce? A case of hot sauce.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. <laughs> that caught me completely off guard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. <my God. laughs> yes, the master is going to take out the earth with a case of hot sauce.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I think you broke me. Oh. <laughs> I-, I could see the record scratching Jason's head. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> It took me a second. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh! <laughs> Let's uh... start over. Yes, we'll be talking. <laughs> we will be talking about the claws of ax a case of hot uh, sauce, <laughs> as, mm, as we return to our master episode reviews. <laughs> oh my goodness! My goodness gracious me! Whew. Yes, the master. Doctor Who. Axe sauce, not hot sauce. Uh, (laughs) How did you come up with that?
0: (laughs) That's the way my brain works.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have a difficult time every every time I I say the title of this episode
0: now. (laughs) Thank you very much, Paul. (laughs) Should I say horseradish sauce? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh my goodness! But before we get into our episode discussion, uh, we let's go let's go talk about some news real quick. And in the news today, uh, Doctor Who will be airing this year. When we don't know. No. Back to you. <laughs> but yes. Uh, it's 2017. We're getting new episodes of Doctor Who sometime this spring, probably April, but we have no idea. We still have a teaser for the upcoming season, but we don't know when it is actually airing.
0: We have upcoming Doctor Who. We have the release of Class in the United States coming up. And even though it's been released in the UK, some of us are trying to remain spoiler free. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, because it's either that or... Find illegal means to watch it. So, right. Yeah, there's that. Thank you. Thank you, BBC, for making us do illegal activity if we want to watch your shows. (laughs) 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 Oh. Yeah, that's not cool. No. Anyway, yeah, the the news
1: is is that we're still waiting for release dates. And of course, you know, tomorrow after we're done recording this, they'll release the (laughs) actual dates and.
0: With four new trailers (laughs) and. You know, right. behind-the-scenes footage. and <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, so, basically, yeah. we're looking at the same scenario with this that we look at with the classic Who DVDs and stuff. If we want to watch it, we either have to pay so much money that it's not worth paying for, or we have to do something illegal in order to watch it. Because they're not making it available for us, even though we want to pay for it. You know. Right. So, exactly. what do you do? I mean you just kind of sit there like an idiot and stare at the wall and wait for them to finally release it, you know, (laughs) right. It's not, you know, some
1: information would be nice. So, you know,
0: say, Hey, yes, it will be this
1: month or whatever, you know, that, you know, that sort of thing. They don't have to give us an exact date, but say, Hey,
0: yes, April or, you know, March or May or something. Give us an idea. But even in the case of class, in the case of class, there's absolutely no reason why it wasn't released in the United States because all we're getting in the U S other than Power of the Daleks and The Return of Doctor Mysterio, all we're getting is, like, reruns of Star Trek The Next Generation on BBC. You see, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? There's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't have gotten that in the U.S. to tide us over for Doctor Who. You know, Right. I don't, I don't right. get that. <laughs> I don't either. Now we're leaving news and getting into commentary, so, you know...
1: Exactly. Yeah, we should stop, you know, complaining about this and 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 head back to our our
0: our episode proper. A case of hot sauce. Mm. (laughs) Jason loves me so. Yeah, you could say that. (laughs) You are going to be in the middle of this discussion, and you are going to say that by accident.
1: (laughs) I hope not. Uh... So, yes, that's all the news that we have (laughs) since Christmas. The Claws of Axos was uh, written by Bob Baker and Dave Martin, uh, directed by Michael Ferguson, and was released uh, from March 13th to April 3rd, 1971. This is the third storyline in The Third Doctor's third season, so 333. Nice little symmetry there. Um, Yeah, uh, and Paul... General thoughts on the claws of Axos before we get into the plot and details. I thoroughly
0: enjoyed the story on this. Okay. The visuals were like a yo-yo <laughs> for me. <A> galactic yo-yo. <laughs> and I say that because there are there are chunks of this that that uh, have the vibe and everything that directly leads into what we got with the fourth doctor um, visually. Mm -hmm. And then there are chunks of this that completely go the other way, you know, and, and it's, it's tonally, it feels sort of like it's glued together pretty well, but visually it seems odd in a lot of places, you know, um, yes. Especially when yes. it comes to things like makeup and special effects and things like that. Um, yes. You know, because there's there's spots in this where I look at it and I go, this would very greatly benefit from a special edition. <laughs> 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 but if I'm going yeah. to rate it for the story, I'm going to rate it higher than yep. I am if I'm going to rate it for the visuals. That's what I'm getting well, at, well- you know.
1: Yeah, well, so. So we'll talk about ratings at the end here. Um, I I have now seen this storyline, I think, three times. Um, and it's still very difficult for me to pinpoint how I feel about this. Um, there are elements of the storyline that I really like, and we'll get into those as we get there. Um, there are interactions that I really like. There's some that I'm just like, this is a bit much... And then there's the visuals, like you said. Uh, you know, this is... This is 70s, you know, psychedelic color vomit. Um, <laughs> like you've never seen it before. And, uh, you know, they're using... If you thought the third Doctor uh, intro was colorful, <laughs> you ain't seen
0: nothing yet. Um <laughs> Well, something that that I noticed in this that maybe I just wasn't paying attention to before is it seemed like the console in the TARDIS seemed more colorful uh, than what I remember it. um, You know, even the the tone, I guess you'd say, on the inside of that was a little different for me than what I had seen prior to that, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, let's... Let's go ahead and and discuss this, and uh, maybe by the end of the show I'll figure out where I fall on this episode (laughs) and the storyline. Spoilers. All right, so the the story starts out with uh, Unit HQ detecting an approaching alien spaceship. Um, So, of course, you know, the the radar guys are tracking this thing at the same time that the brigadier is, uh, you know, entertaining two visitors. Uh, Horatio Chin, uh, an MP uh, from the British government, making a security inspection who's full of himself. Um, And then an American agent uh, named Bill Filer, who's here about the business of the master. Um, Real quick... Your thoughts on these two characters. Uh, let's start with Mr. Chin, the MP. I didn't like him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, he, why is that? Because he's a jerk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't like jerks. Uh, he reminded me of some of the uh, characters that we've talked about before, especially like in uh, series nine, I think, of uh, the new who. Um, where mm-hmm. you look at it and you're thinking I hope he's the first character to go you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, that he, he's just that kind of a, a character for me he, he literally rubs me in every way the wrong way you know mm-hmm. um, yeah he's um, I just made a parallel oh director Krennic
1: <laughs> director Krennic so much cooler and better <laughs> and not as annoying but they have the same motivation
0: is what I'm saying
1: ah climbing up the yes the power ladder
0: yes they have the same yes. motivation it's just one of them does it better than the other <laughs> <laughs> yes and by the end of this episode this story you'll you'll see
1: who is not as good as the other but yeah uh i'm not a fan of of mr chin um he's <laughs> an arrogant sot and as we will see um is trying to make a name for himself um at the expense of everybody else around him yeah um Bill Filer is, uh, you know, a good character in general. He's the American agent. Um, I like the fact that he kind of does things
0: his own way. Now was this the first uh, instance we had of United States unit in Doctor Who? Um, I think so.
1: I don't know if Bill Filer is uh, an agent from. He's the from Washington. Unit. He's from Washington. I don't know if he's yeah. from Unit or if he's from like the CIA or something like well, that. Uh, they I know just she say he's said of the
0: Washington office. So okay, that so maybe me, he is. Yeah, that led me to believe that he is from the U.S. branch of Unit. You know, maybe he is. That would be that would be interesting. they don't yeah. directly say,
1: but no. you know, they just say the Washington office, and he's yeah. an American agent. So, um, cool. Um, although there are definitely moments where I'm like this British actor is having such a hard time keeping that American accent. Uh, so <laughs> but, but, uh, that being, but that's because I speak with an American accent and I can pick up on those sort of things. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so he's a British well, actor who's having a...
0: I will say you know, this. He, he did a lot better job than the ones we had seen previously in the first and second Doctor's incarnations.
1: Yes, he did a better job. But there were some <laughs> moments where I'm just like, Ooh, he's having a really hard time there, particularly when he's captured and he's calling out for help, (laughs) and he can't get, you know, a loud volume calling for help because (laughs) if he does, he loses the accent, you know. (laughs) So, all right. Um, So basically, this spaceship is landing in England, Um, and of course, uh, Chin initially wants it shot down immediately. And basically overrides the brigadier and unit to have the, you know, defense ministry arm the missiles and fire at this ship before it disappears from radar. Um, And then he has to abort the missiles and have them self-destruct in order to not have, you know, what come up come down again. Um, Right. (laughs) And the entire time he's doing this sort of thing, you get the idea that he has no idea what he's doing.
0: Right. (laughs) <laughs> he has no idea what he's actually doing. Um, <laughs> he 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 and, thinks that he's the smartest man in the room, but he's clearly not.
1: Right, you know?
0: <laughs> right. And of course, he's you know
1: kicks out Bill Filer because he's not you know a British subject, and so he you know he has nothing to do with these domestic matters. Uh, and of course, right. Filer decides to leave unit and go snooping around the now landed spaceship before the
0: rest <laughs> of unit can assemble. Um, okay I have to ask well when, okay. you, when you first watched this the very first time did you have the same thoughts that I had because my thoughts immediately my thoughts immediately were why do these ships and why do these aliens continue to land in Britain <laughs> every single time you know what I mean well
1: no I didn't
0: uh, and and I, I I know that it's A British show and everything, you you have the same scenario in America, but let's be honest there's a lot more land mass to cover in America than there is in Britain, so it's a little bit easier to say, well, it landed in California and we had to travel all the way from New York to California to go find it or whatever, than it is to say oh, it landed two miles down the road you know (laughs) well, I mean, remember
1: this show is on a low budget, and so they can't really travel um, or create sets that look like other places in the world uh, when they can just have it in their own backyard, well, the, the uh, especially only, in the
0: 70s. The only reason that I brought it up is because when we get later on into the story and you find out other things about it, then you suddenly go, oh, that's why it landed where it landed. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> but we'll
1: get there. Bill Filer is not the first person, though, to find this ship. A uh, hobo who's been muttering to himself the entire time he's on screen uh, finds it first, goes inside, gets examined, and then rejected because he is of no value. Um, he Energy is absorbed, and he is uh, expelled from the ship. It poops him out, essentially. Because this <laughs> ship is not like a, a, a normal spaceship. It's uh, a very organic-looking ship. And we will later find out that the entire thing is,
0: is one organism.
1: You know, it's... That's it's, what I was you know. going to
0: bring up. Have you ever seen anything of Farscape? No. Okay, Farscape was done by Jim Henson Studios. Um, okay. In that particular show, the entire ship is alive. It is a, basically a space whale of some sort. Uh, and everybody, okay. it, it's grown organically, and it actually has the ability to have offspring and that type of thing. As a ship, um, this did that around 30 years earlier than Farscape did. It. Gotcha. Um, okay. And the uh, one of the things that I that I thought was interesting about Farscape is that Farscape was the television show that inspired the newer. Uh, aliens that uh, George Lucas came up with for uh, Star Wars Episode I when he came out with The Phantom Menace. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. You know. Okay. Cool. (laughs) Kind of ties Um, everything together across the board, you know. Right. (laughs) But um,
1: Bill Filer goes inside um, as Unit is pulling up. Um, Of course, uh, Mr. Quinn... Has brought in uh, Sir George Hardiman and Professor Windsor from the nearby Newton Power Complex, which is basically uh, right where the spaceship landed. You know, there, the spaceship landed just outside the complex for this uh, the, the power complex here, and so Unit uh, Chin, jo- uh, Sir George, and Professor Windsor, as well as the Doctor, of course, all go to this ship. Uh, Bill Filer is snuck on board. And has been captured and scanned and determined that he is more intelligent than the hobo and is being held for further examination. So when he notices he's not alone in his organic prison uh, there is a rather irritated uh, man staring back at him and yes it is the master.
0: Hanging on the wall. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> um Joe has been told to to not follow them. She's been told to stay behind, uh, which, of course, you know how well that works.
0: About as well as it works with Amy or Rose or anybody else. Right. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So she follows behind. uh, And so while the the doctor unit and the rest of them are meeting with the Axons, who are these, you know, white and gold skinned looking aliens, um, you know, who are requesting help from them because they need fuel Um, Joe sneaks aboard and hears Bill Filer calling for help what the axons though are offering in in return for the fuel that they need uh, is this miracle substance that they call axonite uh, which is a thinking molecule that can replicate any substance Um, and of course the doctor is very skeptical of this because well why don't you just use it to repower your ship right (laughs) uh essentially is what he's asking and uh but of course uh chin and the scientists from the newton power complex um are enamored by the idea of what they could do with the axonite and uh chin decides to broker a secret deal with the axons that would give the uk um Unlimited, or that would give the UK um, sole distribution rights of Axonite. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Of course, this is all going down at the same time Joe uh, is looking for Bill Filer and is cornered by a hideous monster.
0: (laughs) I have to ask, what did you think about the way that this started out? Because... Uh, when when we first see the ship in space, we see a brief moment where we see these creatures, these odd, you know, kind of gnarled creatures uh, mm-hmm. while the ship is flying through space. And for me personally, it's not that we saw them that was the issue. It's when we saw them that was the issue, if that makes sense. It felt like that you're letting the cat out of the bag too early. Okay. If you follow me, um, because for me, I would have rather waited until after the ship has landed and the whole thing has been set up before we ever see any kind of indication of what's inside. Okay. You see what I mean? I do. Um, and I see where you're coming
1: from. Um, but I think, you know, what they're doing is, um, giving us a glimpse of these really gnarled, knobby, blobby, tentacly, you know, creatures, uh, to give us the idea that there's you know impending doom about this ship and then of course we you know after they land we get the signal that they're calling for help and we go inside and there's these really you know peaceful looking gold and white aliens who are offering this thing and you're I think you're supposed to be a bit confused as to what all is going on um, what is
0: really happening personally though that's the reason why I think it would have worked even better is because you would have had even more of a mystery at the beginning as to there is this feeling of a non-threatening entity and then suddenly out of nowhere you have this threat yeah you know uh but i i i don't know it's just my personal preference in storytelling i guess it just seemed like mm-hmm. we're gonna tell you up front that this is a villain even though you don't technically need to know at this point gotcha. You see what i'm saying yeah. Because uh, for me, to personally for me, it would have been a perfect way to end the first episode if you had no indication whatsoever that this was going to be your villain. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, you suddenly have this creature appear. Mm-hmm. You know, that just, you know, kind of some sort of similar to what you had with the original Dalek storyline. You know, yeah, uh, where you don't see the Daleks until the very end of the first episode. And then suddenly there's this this. uh uh, first person view of of uh, Barbara screaming. Yeah, when the Dalek comes comes at her, you know, I think that would have been a really nice way to have told that. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, it could that could have worked too. Um, I I don't know. It's just one of those things where it probably would have worked better. But you know, I can see kind of why they did what they did. I I just the whole ship is just bizarre. Yeah. Me. Can we talk about this ship briefly? Sure. Um, because we find out from the axons that they are essentially physical manifestations of the consciousness of axons, which is this ship, right? You that know, they're of you know this they is they don't
0: tell the doctor that.
1: No, <laughs>
0: we know no. that,
1: but the doctor doesn't know that, right? And you know, it's it's all done in various colors of yellow and pink and red and yeah, uh, you know goldish there's, sort of things and it's really weird. Yeah, and then of course there's, there's
0: tentacles coming out of the walls and ceilings and all and these gold. different behind the scenes places, you know, uh where the, they're yeah. not they're not allowed to go into those places, you know.
1: Right. And there's, you know, claws that extend from the walls yeah. to you know, grab people if they get too close, that sort of thing. <laughs> it's a, it's very weird. And then of yeah. course in certain areas they they throw up these weird psychedelic, you know, filters or yeah. something you know and and they only build like half the set and the rest of it is the uh you know green screen type yeah. of um set you know the, the backgrounds are definitely something that uh, they put in afterwards and weren't actually on set in many
0: cases yeah. yeah they did a lot of a lot of blue screen and green screen work on this as well um in the yeah uh, manifestation of different characters and things like that
1: yeah yeah, so it it's really bizarre, and the design is just kind of weird and lumpy and a bit discombobulated, if you ask yeah. me. Um, I'm not, because the outside of the ship is fine. You know, it looks kind of like a, a giant parasite. A giant leech. worm thing? A giant, yeah, it looks kind of like a giant <laughs> leech. And it's very monochromatic on yeah. the outside, and it even sort of breathes when you're looking at it a little bit. Um, but then you go inside and it's just very weird. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's different uh, appendages that are sticking out from everywhere. Like, you know, there's an eyeball <laughs> that comes down and looks yeah. at people and talks to people. Uh, <laughs> it's just odd. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the design, particularly of the inside of Axos. You know, <laughs> the outside is fine. It's a bit gross looking, but I can get that. You know, it's fine.
0: Uh, you know, but it's, think about it in terms. Is, think about basically. it in these terms when you find out what their actual real goal is in the story, think about how fitting it is that the outside of the ship looks like a giant leech. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
1: And we'll get into that as we go through this story,
0: but it just hit me. It just hit me while we were talking about it. You know, (laughs) there you go.
1: Connections are made.
0: Um, But it's just, weird i will say not a big fan if they were doing this today Mm -hmm. i feel like that the interior of the ship would have been more slimy looking and whatnot because it would have been the inter the inner organs of a living organism you know what i mean and
1: and i mean i would have been fine if they had gone that way with this as well Mm -hmm. but you know And in some respect, it almost seems like they started to go that way, but then they also needed things like a console room and a prison and, you know, this and that and the other thing. And it was just like they went halfway with one idea and halfway with another, and it just Mm -hmm. kind of blended into this bleh, you know? (laughs) I'm not a fan of the inside of Axos You didn't
0: commit! You didn't commit! (laughs) You have to commit! (laughs) Exactly, commit one way or the other. Please um, <laughs> that's one thing that I will say uh, about the, far, the the ship on Farscape is the outside looks more organic where the inside looks more unorganic um okay. and it's it was clearly a design choice for it to be that way, but there are aspects mm-hmm. of the ship that you go into different parts of the ship and it looks very clearly organic, you know, so right. it, it almost looks like that they took inorganic material and added to the organic parts of the ship. And it was a clear design choice to do it that way in the show. I didn't get that vibe off of this. I, I got, we don't know what we're doing here. We haven't made up our mind how we want this to fit together. You know? Right. Um, and they, they say that they grew the ship. Yeah. Um, which,
1: you know, they can they can sort of, you know, like a bonsai tree, you can sort of like grow it in a certain direction and, you know, <laughs> train it to grow yeah. in certain ways. Like, I get that. But it, the inside just looked sort of pussy rather than like... <laughs> anything else it was just lumpy and pussy and they like yeah that looks organic let's make it lumpy and you know weird colored that's organic right and not exactly um anyway let's stop complaining about that and, and move on with this story um episode two uh you know joe is found by the rest of the group who hear her scream and she is told that she was hallucinating yeah by one of the axons you know the the some of the things in this in axon uh Affect people's minds. And we saw that a little bit with the doctor when he came in, too. Um, you know, so the doctor saying, Yes, I, don't worry, Joe, I experienced this too, kind of but dissuades see, Joe a little bit. It's
0: kind of interesting, though, because in the doctor's case, he literally has this vision of one of these gnarled, creepy crawly looking things uh, saying, We have an alien presence. We have an alien presence. Test it, test yeah. it, you know. And, and and it's very clear that they detect immediately that he's not like everybody else, you know. Right, um,
1: right. Um,
0: so that will come into play later in the story, too, you know.
1: Exactly. Um, while the doctor is unsuccessful in, you know, stopping Chin from making the secret deal for the Axonite, he does convince uh, Sir George and Dr. Windsor that it needs to be fully scientifically analyzed before it's distributed. Um, you know, like, like we said, uh, Chin has ensured f- you know full distribution rights rest with the United Kingdom, and you know this will be a great boon for his career. Oh, and the United Kingdom as well. <laughs> and then randomly and all of a sudden, he puts Unit under security arrest because uh, the doctor and Unit are going to be hindrances. Yeah. in this. Yeah. Um, it, it it comes out of nowhere. I'm not surprised he did it. Yeah. But it just came out of nowhere. So, um, they, you know, the doctor and the brigadier and everybody
0: emerge, and Benton and Captain Yates are already under arrest. Yeah. It, it felt like he did it just because he could, more so than because mm-hmm. he had to. You know, it was like— He doesn't like— Yeah. He doesn't like the doctor and Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart anyways. Yeah. So— well, his whole point he's, of being yeah. there was to find out who the doctor really was. And you can see at the beginning when he's talking to the brigadier about it, brigadier's just got that smirk on his face like, do you really want to be here talking about this? We've got more important things that we could be doing right now. You know? Right,
1: right. <laughs> so um, although and while everyone is put under security arrest, although Joe kind of manages to, you know, evade the brunt of that, uh, the doctor is granted special permission Uh, to assist Dr. Windsor in the laboratory because Dr. Windsor needs his expertise. Um, And Chin begrudgingly grants that. Um, But the Axons are not sitting on their laurels either. They decide they're going to duplicate Bill Filer in order to infiltrate and gather information um, from the outside. They also strike a deal with the Master, offering him his freedom in exchange for his efforts to guarantee worldwide distribution of axonite, that needs to happen within seventy-two hours of landing. Hmm. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it makes you really wonder,
1: you know. Yeah, the master and his TARDIS have been captured by the Axons. They don't want to let him go because they want his knowledge of, uh, you know, time travel, because they are a parasite. Um, and they need energy from planets and they basically travel the galaxy draining planets of their energy in order to keep surviving yeah
0: they're not nice people but here's here's the thing what happens if they do finally get their hands on time travel and they decide to I don't know go back in time and do this you know they're going to wipe out entire planets histories and change time completely they don't care and they're parasites then what's going to happen when there are no planets left for them to do this to
1: that's not their problem it, i guess like kind of, I, mean, I don't know well, i mean
0: it kind of it asks the same question that you ask with the daleks once you've taken every planet and drained it what's left you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> they're not thinking that far ahead <laughs> yeah
1: um the, they also, uh, so they, they agree to give the Master back his TARDIS if he can help ensure that the Axonite, which is, they, needs to be distributed um, to help gather the energy from the planet, uh, it needs to be distributed worldwide very quickly. So they release him um, on the promise that he will assist in that regard. Uh, but they're keeping his TARDIS. <laughs> but of course... <laughs> um, they also release their duplicate bill filer uh, out into the world. Um,
0: you know, they never explained how they caught the master. No, they don't. Yeah, I think my guess is the master ran into them, tried to strike a bargain, and was captured. That would make the most sense because yeah. uh, he's going to be harder to catch than most. You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. So we have Doppelganger Filer. (laughs) Yes, Doppelganger Filer. (laughs) And the
1: original Filer also escapes. So we got two Filers running around. Um,
0: That's a lot of filing. (laughs) mm, Yes.
1: (laughs) The duplicate goes to the uh, power station where the Doctor and uh, Dr. Windsor have been discussing the... uh, light accelerator and how they might be able to use it to examine the Axonite. Uh, Doppelganger Filer comes in and attacks the doctor but is killed when real Filer walks in uh, and shoves Doppelganger Filer into the light accelerator, uh, causing him to basically uh, poof. Um, he, <laughs> he didn't approve of his filing. Mm-mm, no, <laughs> the wrong system. Um, <laughs> Oh, man.
0: Now, I will say this. I, I thought that the special effects of that were actually kind of cool, you know, mm-hmm. uh, where you see him disintegrate into a pile of black ash, basically.
1: Right. <laughs> and
0: is this, this is where
1: Dr. Windsor gets killed, right?
0: Uh, Right after that. Uh because this is right before the doctor chooses to put the axonite into the chamber on his own.
1: That's right. Um, He, (laughs) Dr. Windsor (laughs) has left the doctor alone in the light accelerator room, which is a bad idea. What did you think Um, was going to happen? Right, exactly, especially when the doctor has been like, we should use the light accelerator to determine what's in the axonite. And and, uh, Dr. Windsor's like, no, I don't want to do that, because we don't know what sort of power it could unleash. Yeah. Doctor's like, well, there's only one way to find out. So he leaves a recording (laughs) saying, if I don't live through this, at least you'll know what not to do <laughs> and he puts the axonite into the light accelerator um of course joe comes in as he's doing this and as he is examining his readings it affects axos and the rest of the axons yeah on board it really messes with them you know <laughs> mentally and so he's now examining the data and axos has sent some of his little axon minions in their true form which is the knobby blobby uh weird alien looking shebangs to
0: <laughs> put a stop to whatever the doctor's doing all right. i have to ask did these creatures remind you at all of the sand men from sleep no more um a little bit uh now that you mention it they a
1: little bit the way that they move yeah they move faster yeah, in the sand men, but the way that they move is very similar. That's that's um, sort exactly of exactly what I was thinking. Sort of a rolling, yeah. a rolling type of gait. Um, but yeah, it, it, now that you mention it, just a little bit. Yeah, not not a lot. Uh, they're they're bigger, bulkier, and they move a lot faster, and they're a bit more dangerous than the fact that they can shoot their little <laughs> tentacle things out yeah. and like make people go kaboom. <laughs> their, um, their
0: entire body looks like a wad of tentacles. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Bunch of bunch of roots, you know, sprouting out of they do sort of, of look like knobby
0: plant life, almost, don't they? Yeah,
1: it's like it's weird. Oh,
0: it almost looks like a wad of giant wad of earthworms.
1: Yeah, stuck to like a Brillo pad. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just that just hit me. They almost look like a giant wad of earthworms. Yeah, but they have a, a, a they have a plant. It's- they have a plant-like feeling to them as well they look they almost look like a combination of 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 animal and plant together you know yeah
1: yeah they do um and depending on how angry they are you know there's more of the root tentacle things (laughs) squigglies yeah squigglies (laughs) or or not you know the the more angry and dangerous they are the more squiggly tentacle things they have um it's kind of weird.
0: And the thing about these things, too, that I thought was neat is the way that they just come, kind of come out of the walls of Axos, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I know they're using blue screen and stuff to make that happen, but it, you see them just materialize out of the walls of Axos, you know? I thought that was kind mm-hmm. of neat. It's almost like they just kind of peel themselves out of the inside of its body, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they, they just sort of, like, are sp- sprout
0: out of, <laughs> <laughs> out of
1: Axos. Um, he grows, he a, grows
0: a minion, um, <laughs> a bunch of adult-sized babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gross. Um, we, well, I guess we could equate them to like the white blood cells in our bodies. Probably. Maybe. Um,
1: yeah, I guess you could probably equate that. Um, not that I've studied those recently, so I don't remember exactly what they look like. Um,
0: <laughs> Well, it's, it'd be a similar thing to, um, uh, into the Dalek, you know, they,
1: right. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that's true. Um, or it's another parasite looking thing, you know,
0: <laughs>
1: mm. telegraphing much. Um, anyway, as the axons show up in their attack, um, you know, on the, the light accelerator to stop the doctor from his testing, uh, Filer is knocked out, and Dr. Windsor is killed. Um, The Axons then transform back into their more humanoid-looking shape and capture the Doctor and Joe and take them prisoner. The Doctor is interrogated and scanned and determined to be a Time Lord. Um, And since, of course, the Axons want the secret of time travel, uh, they now say that the Master is a bit expendable. They have another (laughs) Time Lord. Uh, Of course, the Doctor says, well, I can't remember. The Time Lords have taken that from me. And they say, well, they can repair the blocks in the Doctor's memory if he will help them. Of course, he has no intention of doing that. Um, Meanwhile, the Master is going after the Doctor's TARDIS. Yes. (laughs) He has no intention of helping the Axons and is wanting to use the Doctor's TARDIS to escape. (laughs) Uh, He unfortunately does not realize the uh, predicament the Doctor is in, in the fact that the Doctor cannot remember how to effectively use the TARDIS. Yeah. Uh, He goes in and sees that the TARDIS console is just in complete disarray as the doctor has been taking this thing apart in order to try and figure out how to put it back together so that it works.
0: Um, He's basically like, what on earth are you doing? What has he been doing?
1: Um, And so he starts trying to put the TARDIS back back together. together. Yeah. And this is going to take a while. Um
0: And he even comes to to the conclusion that the doctor took most of this stuff apart for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Because he already figured out what was wrong with it about 15 minutes after walking inside. Right. (laughs) Um. And then the master has the doctor's TARDIS moved to the power station. Mm, No, it was there. Hmm? No, the doctor wanted it there. Well, then why was he hypnotizing people and telling them to move it? Was he? Yeah.
1: Oh, gosh. I forget.
0: (laughs) Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe you're right, actually. Because the brigadier asked him later, he said, why did you have it moved here? And he said, because I knew the doctor would come back to it, and I wanted to see him before I left. That's right. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, he did.
1: Um, Unfortunately for (laughs) Mr. Chin... um, The axons have basically leaked to the world uh, the fact that Britain has this axonite, and now the world wants (laughs) it. Um, And now Britain, of course, loses their distribution power position uh, because the world is clamoring for complete distribution worldwide of axonite now. Um, And so... Chin is basically dressed down by the uh, the minister of defense. I think it's the minister of defense or security, um, and is said uh, basically your final job is to make sure that this gets distributed um, quickly and effectively. Yeah. When you come back to London, your resignation is ready for you to sign it. Um. Yeah. If you
0: if you don't make this happen, this will take effect. Basically, is what he says. <laughs> Right.
1: <laughs> um, but, of course, with Chin basically out of favor now, uh unit is released and go back to their
0: jobs. <laughs> Which was actually kind of funny to watch.
1: Yes. Uh, so, of course, the Brigadier is you know running around trying to get uh, a complete idea of what the situation is. He goes to the power reactor station uh, where the TARDIS is, and he... Captain Yates and Sergeant Benton notice the master coming in and out of the TARDIS. (laughs) Um, Is Bill Filer there too? I think he is. Uh, Um, He
0: shows up a a few minutes. No,
1: Bill Filer a few minutes later. Bill Filer had been knocked out earlier and uh, is resting in the hospital and is told to stay there by the Brigadier. And of course, Filer goes, yeah, sure. (laughs) I'll do that. Um...
0: (laughs) He strikes me a little bit like uh uh Jamie a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> He's a bit
1: like an American James Bond yeah. in the fact that he doesn't care about what the <laughs> authority says.
0: But his snarkiness um, is a lot like Jamie though, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got the cool and the uh the
1: threads for like a James Bond. But his snark is very much in the the line of Jamie.
0: Um, Oh, yeah, sure. I'll stay here. (laughs) Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) Would one of you Florence Nightingales
1: bring me my clothes? (laughs) I got that, too. (laughs) Um, Of course, the the master is now trying to hook the TARDIS into the light accelerator in order to jumpstart it, basically. uh, Because the power is not working properly in the Doctor's TARDIS. The brigadier and unit capture him, and that's when things start going haywire a little bit. The Axonite harvesting is beginning, and power is being drained from the station into Axos. Mm-hmm. The master is the only one who really knows how to deal with a situation like this, and so he bargains for his freedom and says that he will assist the brigadier um, in stopping Axos in exchange ...for complete freedom. Which, of course, Bill Filer doesn't like... ...but they have no choice. Um, basically, what the master is going to do... ...is he's going to... ...initially... ...drain the power away from Axos... ...into the TARDIS... ...and then open the floodgates... ...and overwhelm the Axons... ...with the power causing it to basically short-circuit. Right. <laughs> um, give it a nervous breakdown. Um, of course... You know, and thus blowing it up. Of course, that would kill the Doctor and Joe,
0: who have not yet escaped. Which causes the Brigadier to change his mind and say he doesn't want to do it.
1: (laughs) And then the Master gives uh, you know a great line: uh, "Either we destroy Axos, or Axos destroys the world. Which will it be, Brigadier? Right?" The Brigadier doesn't (laughs) say anything but turns away from the Master. He just walks off, (laughs) leaving the Master to continue what he's doing.
0: That's that's something that I that I think is cool about the Brigadier is when it matters he doesn't hide the whole thing about how he feels about the doctor. Yeah. They Mm -hmm. play that little cat and mouse game of, I don't want people to think we like each other, but when it really Mm -hmm. matters and push comes to shove, he's not going to hide it. (laughs) Right. Unfortunately,
1: the master's scheme doesn't work. Axos is able to reverse the uh, overflow of energy back into the uh, light accelerator. And uh, Sir George gets everybody out of the room so that he can try and disconnect the machine, so that the feedback won't cause the whole thing to explode. Uh, he starts doing it. He's partially successful, but then the feedback hits, and while it doesn't explode, it gives enough of a of a power jolt into him that he is killed and thrown, you know, way out of the machine over the guardrail and down to
0: his death. Yeah. Can I say something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I did notice something uh, and this is just my keen eye you know uh, when it comes to you know the the old special effects and things like that when he got knocked off the machine he was facing Mm -hmm. toward the machine and falling backward and then Uh when it changes shots he is facing the railing and going up and over the railing as if he had turned around and jumped Right. you know I noticed that distinctly I was like yeah that's a b- break in continuity there you know
1: <laughs> well there's a lot of continuity mistakes in the classic series and sometimes it's just fun to try and make a drinking game out of it um, <laughs> that's kind of why I was pointing it out you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> now the good news is is while the master was trying to overload Axos um, it allowed the doctor and Joe the opportunity to escape so, the Doctor and Joe are now back in the game. And uh, the Doctor has an idea. And he's not letting anybody really know what it is. Which is, of course, causing everyone to be a bit confused or distrustful. Including Joe. Including Joe. Joe is confused. <laughs> Filer doesn't trust
0: the Doctor. And the Master is like, why are you doing this? Um, you know, Filer knows the Doctor less than anybody else. So, he has no reason to trust him in the first place. Exactly. And he makes it very, very, very clear. Something doesn't feel right here. Exactly.
1: And he's the only one that really catches on that the Doctor's surface plan is to just escape. Yeah. (laughs) He and the Master (laughs) are going to escape and leave Earth to Axos. And the
0: Master is, you know, oh, well, I didn't know you had it in you, Doctor. Um, (laughs) So the Doctor... Could, Could you imagine Peter playing this part uh, in, in in this story and and, and you know, going up against the master like this in this scene and, and convincing him that he doesn't really care if earth lives or dies he just wants to leave yeah i could i could see yeah. doing that i think um, that he would do a really good job at it
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's really weird to see john Pertwee doing this of course yeah. you know he's expressed his, his displeasure at being you know uh imprisoned on earth and you know primitive planet, you know, a second-rate planet to a third-rate sun is one of the descriptors he uses in this episode. Um, you know, he, he's talked about how he wants to leave before. Um, and so, basically, he's using the Master to repair the TARDIS so that it will work. Gives the Master coordinates to feed in. Unfortunately, the Master doesn't realize those coordinates are for Axos. <laughs> not for escape. Right? <laughs> and... While on the surface it looks like they're escaping, the Doctor and the Master end up on Axos. The Master takes the advantage of the confusion there to escape in his own TARDIS because the Doctor is basically initially bartering to give them uh, the knowledge of time travel. But the Master realizes what the Doctor is really up to, which is he's mm-hmm. going to send Axos into a time loop which I think this is the first (laughs) time in Doctor Who where we hear the term time loop and really figure out what it is. So the Master escapes to, you know, somewhere else in the galaxy. Um, And Axos is sent into this time loop. Uh, The Doctor is in his TARDIS, which is inside Axos, and attempts to boost the power to escape the time loop um, and manages to do so
0: it's getting hot inside of exos it really is It's really gross too i don't like exos i don't like it at all hot sauce mm.
1: <sighs> <sighs> yes oh and of course we get in in this fourth episode uh the doctor actually yeah. says the the title of this storyline um, yeah. after he escapes he's like the claws of Axos are already deeply embedded around the world, you know, referring to the fact that the Axonite has been given worldwide yeah. distribution.
0: Which, he probably says that in the show just so that people don't get confused with the name of the, of the story, because there are no claws in Axos. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well, there's those little grabby hands that are sort of claw-like-ish. Uh,
0: but maybe.
1: <laughs> they almost look more like really thin beaks and claws, or like crab pinchers.
0: Some of the stuff that's on the inside of Axos reminds me of some of the things that I saw in some of the Power Ranger episodes and stuff back in the days. Oh, dear.
1: (laughs) Oh, dear. The (laughs) the interesting thing is that while the Doctor is, you know, taking on Axos, um, the Axons, in their true form, are attacking the power station, uh, leaving Unit, Filer, and Joe... um, in mortal danger because they're not easily killed. The grenades and the bullets are not doing much. Um, and you know, they're, there in the light accelerator room getting surrounded. And thankfully, as soon as the doctor puts Axos into the time loop, um, they all vanish.
0: Yeah. See the, the thing that gets me about this is the fact that weapons are not harming them at all. Right. You know, you would think that they would at least do something to them. If, if they're not going to kill them, at least, you know, poke holes in them or something, you know. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, that's another reason why I say it feels a little bit like that they're somewhat plant-ish is because, you know, you can shoot a tree and it still stays in one piece, you know. Right. Um, but I don't know. It's just something odd about the fact that they can shoot it and 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 never even leave a mark. Right, right
1: (laughs) Um, unfortunately The, uh, light accelerator Is going to overload and explode You know, there's no way around it So everyone gets out Um, the Doctor's TARDIS materializes In the accelerator room after everyone is Out, and the Doctor goes Uh, I'm getting out of here too And dematerializes again The whole (laughs) complex explodes Well, at least the complex with the accelerator In it, um And the Brigadier, Joe, and everyone uh, come back to see what's happened to the Doctor, you know, if he's there. uh, Because, you know, Joe is concerned. Uh, The Doctor's TARDIS materializes amidst the rubble and says, well, this is a fine mess, you know, as he comes out. Apparently, though, uh, it appears (laughs) as we, you know, do the wrap up scene that the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS to always return to Earth. Uh, yeah and of course he tries to explain <laughs> what a time loop is and basically you know gives us the explanation that it's a, a loop of you know time basically they're reliving the same moment of time over and over and over again you know doesn't really convince the brigadier much uh, on The <laughs>
0: brigadier stands there and looks at him like what's your point you know <laughs> I, I don't quite get this so Um, sometimes I think the brigadier does that on purpose though just to mess with the doctor (laughs) I would think so Um,
1: and then of course you know when it's revealed that the doctor didn't come back voluntarily you know because Joe goes well but at least you came back and you know the doctor goes yes and the brigadier goes voluntarily no <laughs> <laughs> it appears the time is the program my TARDIS always return to Earth. It seems that I am some kind of galactic yo-yo. Yes, and that's, and where, it that's ends. where it ends. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of my favorite Third Doctor lines of all time.
0: But at least we have a working TARDIS again now.
1: Yes, you know. it functions. <laughs> so.
0: And it's that's actually nice. been modified it's actually been modified from its original design by the master. He put new parts in it to make it work. Um, mm-hmm. that are actually add-ons to the parts that were already in it so it works differently from any other TARDIS that's out there now.
1: Yeah, you know? it's uh it's a one of a kind. It's unique. And of course <laughs> the entire time the master's inside the TARDIS trying to put it back together, he's complaining about the antique and you know how, how it's an antique and how the doctor's <laughs> completely, you know, ruined everything and all this stuff. He's it's <laughs> Totally not what a TARDIS should be, apparently.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, of course, we also know that the Doctor makes more and more and more modifications over the years as he goes, too. So, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. It, it, the fact that it's an antique really doesn't matter when you're continually upgrading it and, and adding to it, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and so basically,
1: just since this is a Master episode, at the end of this, the Master is now free to move around the galaxy
0: again. Um, uh, the universe, apparently, yeah. because we never physically see what happens to him at the end of this. Well, he, he dashes into his TARDIS and it dematerializes. So he leaves. Um, oh. um, so, and the doctor at the end of it is going, I'm about 90% sure that he's stuck in the time loop. <laughs> and Filer's like, what? <laughs> he's like, how much? He goes, I'm, I'm p- pretty sure. Well, pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, he might have gotten away. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Of course, knowing the Master, that's almost a certainty. Um, Especially because we have more episodes with him.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The, The only thing, so far, the only thing that I've got that I would say negative overall about what we're seeing with the Master is that all of these stories are happening back to back to back to back to back. It, it would be nicer to see them spread out a little bit. Yeah. You know.
1: And and while this season we'll see, um this season is definitely all of these stories involve the master. Um we'll see after the season they start to spread them out. And we get one or two here, mm-hmm. one or two there. Um so it it is it does start to get spread out again. Um
0: well it's but, the whole idea of if you defeat a villain every single time you see them back to back to back to back to back, they start losing their threatening feeling. You know, they, they don't feel like so much of a threat. And I, so far that is the only real complaint that I have with the character in general is that we're seeing so much of him in such a short amount of time. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. I can understand that. So, but um, overall thoughts and uh, rating I actually, final thoughts and rating for the claws of
0: Axos. (laughs) Can I separate the story from the visuals, or do I have to rate it all together? (laughs) Uh, Well, (laughs) give us, do both. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, The story, I'm going to give the story, like, maybe a seven and a half or an eight, uh, because I like the story. I think the story is a, a, a good story I think that it's well written I think that it's well executed for the most part I think what takes away from the story is the visuals and and I think if you took that exact same story and put it in today's uh, modern who visuals it would be such a much more dynamic story you know Um, so I'm going to rate the visuals like uh, six (laughs) I'm not even going to that. I'm going to go five and a half. <laughs> I'm going to go five and a half on the visuals. I'm going to go eight on the story. So I'm going to set it somewhere at about a seven, maybe six okay. seven three quarters. Okay. Just because of that. So yeah.
1: The story is pretty good. Um, it's not a bad story. I don't mind watching the story. It's not a story that blows me away.
0: Um, it's well, a fairly I straightforward. Enjoyed the- sp- I enjoyed the actors. I enjoyed the storytelling. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like the way it looked, you know. Right. Yeah. And so, and while you know,
1: it's a it's a fairly straightforward story. I like the story. It's not you know there's not really many twists or anything, um, or any surprising moments
0: in the story. But part but of that's also well. the way that it was shot, right? Because they they um, take all the surprises out of it by t- giving everything away, right? So, uh, so uh,
1: the only real issues they have with the story other than it's just not um you know i I wouldn't call it a a great story though it's a it's a good story it's a you know straightforward it's executed fairly well um, as far as you know translating it from a script to screen uh Mm story-wise although there are some moments that i think run by too quickly and some moments that take too long Um, Mm -hmm. the, you know, like I said, the arrest of unit just happens. It's just, it, right. There's no warning, no explanation other than it just happens. Um, and then the, the leak that, you know, Britain has axonite just happens and he has to start distributing it, you know, um, those are, you know, some points where I think it happened a bit too quickly. And then there's the scene where the doctor is being interrogated by Axos to reveal the secrets of time travel. And they start getting into some of the scientific stuff, you know, right. and that slows that scene is slow. Um, you know, so I think you could have balanced it out a little bit, but, you know, that's I'm, I'm picking things apart. My biggest quibble with this story is the design of the Axons, their natural form. I'm not a big fan of those. Um, and really? the look of Axos in general,
0: and I was fan- I was actually happier with their natural appearance more so than I was their golden faced appearances because to me that was more disturbing than the the actual <laughs> appearance. And I know? think that's why I preferred those. It's, it's, it's just off putting <laughs> having the golden
1: faced yeah. you know things. It's it's a bit more <laughs> alien. It's a bit more off putting. Whereas we have these walking you know fungus.
0: Uh, you know, things, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: you know, that are six feet tall and, you know, as wide as they are tall. You know, it, it I, <laughs> you know, it, I don't know. They, there wasn't, they didn't seem very original to me. Um, and maybe that's just because I've seen so many of these classic stories that they keep using similar designs over and over again because that's what they could make. Um, you know, and, and I'm not a big, like I've, I've already said, I'm not a big fan of the interior of Axos. That being said, I like a lot of the character interactions. Um, I hated Chin because I was supposed to hate Chin uh, Filer <laughs> worked well within the story he was likable enough that you know he didn't just seem like you know hey let's get you know random character number one to play a part in this story you know he was I different would have enough. actually
0: liked to have seen a little more action from him to be honest
1: yeah you know so he's a likable enough character and a unique enough character that he worked well in the story um, and yeah. he wasn't just there um, so that was good I think overall, I'm going to have to give this episode, though, six and a half, just because, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. not one of my favorites. I like it well enough. There are some great moments in this, I said, but the, the, the look of the interior of Axos just takes me out every time, and I, I, it just bothers me.
0: So- <laughs> and I understand the limitations on the budget and all of that. I right. get all of that, but at the same time there's a lot of shows that have the same kind of budgets now that have much more realism in how they depict certain things just because of the fact that people have learned over the years how to do more with less you know right
1: Um, and this is something I would say if you have the opportunity go ahead and watch this story it's mm -hmm. a good enough story to watch at least once Um, you know and whether or not you can get over some of the visual stuff better than I can great you know. Uh, but well, it's this almost everyone- strikes
0: me as something that would be better served at this point as a um a big finish audio uh, because, like I said before, I really, really enjoyed the story, didn't care for the visuals so much, you know, and right. Uh, well, another thing to, to, that kind of messed with me was the choice of music in these, these, the story arc as well. And and you'll um, find, and I think we talked you know, about
1: this a while ago, but you'll
0: find the yeah. music
1: in the third Doctor stuff really odd. Um, it's yeah. it's completely electronic synthes- synthesizers.
0: Well, the synthesizer part's not what bothered me. It was the choice of the pieces that they put into this. It, mm-hmm. it, a lot of them didn't feel like they matched anything that was going on in the the episodes you right. know they it was like okay we just have a different music than we had last time we're just going to drop it in here because we have it you know yeah and i would almost have preferred that we have something a little bit more like what we had with the fourth doctor where we just maybe have some thematic you know horns or drums and that's it you know just to emphasize something's happening now you know yeah
1: uh, and was, well they'll, they'll grow to that as we'll see but yeah. you know it's you know right now they're this is smack dab in the middle you know in the beginning of the mm-hmm. 70s and so you they're trying out all this very psychedelic yeah sort of stuff and it's really in a way very experimental so yeah um a lot of it is and so some of it works
0: to, and some of it doesn't so right
1: right and so you have to go you know, into this era with that in mind you know this is yeah. early 70s there's a lot of psychedelic um stuff in the visuals which bothers me <laughs> you know i'm not a big fan of that
0: um <laughs> But, jason's not a toker also, no, <laughs> Nope, no i'm not a hippie either so you know tie-dye is not my thing um, he's not a not a toker <laughs>
1: uh and then and then of course they're going to be really kind of experimental with some of the music stuff too because it's yeah it's they almost use um electronic synthesizers and sound effects as music more than mm-hmm. actual music itself um yeah and and you're right there are several places where it doesn't quite seem to match what's going on. Um, but, that being said, it's a master story. I think it's, you know, if you have the opportunity, watch it, um, because it's a great interaction between the Doctor and the Master, especially the final episode. The final episode is really good. Um, when they work together,
0: they're at their best, you know. Yeah. That's the, the, the crazy part about of, it.
1: Yeah, the final episode of this is really good. <laughs> I really like the final episode. Um, it's, and one is pretty good at setting everything up. Episode two, I just not a big fan of, and then episode three, like half of it, I'm just like I kind of I kind of tune out a little bit during episode two and the first half of episode three. To be perfectly honest, so.
0: Well, now I could see this done as a two-parter in New Who, though. Um, I I could see them take take this and streamline it, and maybe you know reinvent a little bit of the visuals and stuff to make it more believable and. I could see this done, you know, with, you know, the, the special effects and everything of, of modern who uh, I all, you know, going back to what we talked about last episode, I almost wish that we could see a reshoot of this particular story <laughs> with Sean Pertwee as the third doctor mm, done in go. modern day special effects and stuff. I think that would be interesting to see, you know, yeah.
1: <laughs> revisiting some of these stories in that way would be really kind of
0: fascinating. Um, to see just how well it could be done now, right? You know, right.
1: And, and like I said, I mean, you story- think about
0: it—you could almost take the script. You could almost take the script verbatim, right. right, and not change anything, and then just put new music and special effects and all that in, and just see what happens. Well, exactly. I, I was about to say that. You know, the, the script
1: is very much in the vein of Doctor Who, the show. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's it's a Doctor Who script. It's not as particularly spectacular script, but it's a Doctor Who script. It's a good enough mm-hmm. script to get the job done. Um, you know, it could be considered a filler episode in, in nowadays. But, you know, it's it's good enough of a story to, you know, make the list uh, nowadays. <laughs> but the execution of the visuals just, oh, my God. All right. Let's stop. Let's stop going back and forth <laughs> on that. Let's start wrapping this up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just um, had a
0: thought. I just had a thought uh-oh. talking about recreate, talking oh. about recreating this thing. What if just for giggles, they decided to redo this as a modern story and they had Michelle Gomez as the master and all of the current members of unit as opposed to the classic members of unit. And the only thing that was classic about it was the third doctor was in this. And I'd be okay with that. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) And they just mixed it up a little bit and said, oh, he just happened to fall into this time. Right bring sean perpley in to play the third doctor yeah
1: have all the companions updated you know have yeah bill there and uh get um kate stewart and osgood and uh you know some of the other unit folks and have michelle gomez as the master and i could see That that would be fascinating that would I almost want to really see that now. Um, Anyway, too bad nobody from BBC is listening to our podcast and would actually want to do that. Um, Anyway. All right. Well, um, I think we'll probably do another. We've got two more master episodes to finish out uh, this particular season of Doctor Who. So I think we'll probably want to do that. Uh, Then maybe we'll take a quick break, do a discussion type episode, but we'll see what happens. Um, That way we can really start going down the road on some of these master episodes because there's a lot of them. Um, yeah. The next story uh, will be Colony in Space. Um, and that'll be the fourth storyline of season eight of Doctor Who um, featuring the <laughs> third Doctor. Uh, and uh, it's been a while since I've watched this episode. I think I've only seen it once. So and I think the master doesn't show up until like halfway through if I remember correctly. But we'll find out together next time. It is a six-episode arc, so um, we'll
0: prepare ourselves for that. Um, Do you think maybe they fixed the TARDIS in this story arc just so they could have the colony in space for the next story arc? Well, I remember how he gets to
1: the colony (laughs) in space, but I'm not going to tell you because you haven't seen this episode. Um, Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) The TARDIS is involved, but... (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Um, any any final thoughts, Paul? Before we start wrapping this up, and
0: I feel like I've been put on the spot No, um, <laughs> don't don't forget to uh, leave us a rating and review uh, wherever you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe because uh, yes. I know a lot of a lot of people might just listen to an episode and move on to something else. Give us a chance. Subscribe to us and listen to us, several of our episodes. I think you'll be happy. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think we have fun with this. You know, we do we do well, the question is do they hmm <laughs> well <laughs> we've of course, not gotten a lot of ratings so you know <laughs> right, right
1: we haven't gotten a lot of complaints either so you know <laughs> we don't know um yeah we're kind of left dangling <laughs> right but if you want to let us <laughs> like, know like the master in exile <laughs> right right it's like we're left in limbo did we escape did we not are we still stuck in the time loop um <laughs> But if you want to communicate with us, let us know what you like or what you don't like about the show um, and don't want to leave a rating or review. But we highly encourage you to do that. Please! Uh, You can also communicate with us on our social media. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash TalkingTimeLords. Our Twitter handle is at TalkingTimeLord. Or you can email us at TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com. Of course, links to all of our social media as well as links to all of our previously released episodes can be found on our website, TalkingTimeLords.com.
0: Anything else, Paul? Hey, even if you disagree with us on something let us know I mean we like to have discussions about that kind of stuff too you know everybody's opinion matters so it does
1: if you think we were too hard on the visuals of this episode and you like them let us know we'll talk about it you know it's uh, it'll be fun <laughs> <laughs> he said with the grimace <laughs> um, anyway <laughs> anyway uh. um, <laughs> I, think, I think that'll wrap up uh, this episode of Talking Time Lords has been episode number sixty-one. The claws of Axos, not a case of hot sauce. Um, for, <laughs> for Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time, may you hope far-flung hopes and dream masterful dreams. Thanks, everybody. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com/thunderquack help support the shows.
0: i want some hot sauce
1: (laughs) (laughs) the case of hot sauce has already infected the earth i will never be able to look at this episode the same way again